Welcome to Season 2 of My Unknown Truth, a podcast sharing stories and experiences of adoption and foster care in Australia and around the world. My name is Nadia Levitt, and while exploring my own adoption journey, I wanted to create a space for others to share their stories too. In Season 2, I will be sharing fascinating personal experiences, some that unfold over long periods of time, and stories bravely told in memoirs and autobiographies. I discuss with a range of professionals in the field who may help navigate the complex foster care system, or understand childhood trauma and effects of separation, or how to support parents who wish to foster or adopt across the state, national and international lines. By sharing a range of experiences, it may help increase connection and awareness around adoption and foster care in Australia, facilitate informed discussion and encourage more people to open their hearts, minds and homes to children in need. In this episode, you will hear the story of Margaret Watson. Margaret holds a Bachelor of Arts, majoring in Welfare Studies, and has a Certificate of Somatic Psychotherapy. Margaret has worked in community justice, social welfare, human rights advocacy, disability and health services, and is a member on New South Wales and Queensland Disability Tribunals. During the past 10 years, Margaret continues to work as a counsellor, advanced practitioner for Post Adoption Resource Centre in New South Wales. Margaret learned for the first time of her adoption at age 40. This was a traumatic life event leading Margaret to immerse herself in successful searches and reunions with her biological family. Margaret is passionate and committed to working with all parties impacted by adoption, encouraging clients to develop and grow away from the false self created by adoption and to understand and educate themselves on the impact of adoption trauma. Margaret enjoys time in nature, swimming, body surfing, reading, meditation, music, arts, time with family and friends, good food and good Prosecco. Here is her story. My name is Margaret Watson, known as Marg, and I am recording and reading an article I wrote in July 2022 for the Post-Adoption Resource Centre quarterly newsletter. The theme of that newsletter was Secrets and the title of my article is 32 Years Down the Track, Surviving Secrets. 12th of February 1990 is burned in my brain as if it were yesterday. A hot, humid day with cornflower blue sky sulphur-crested cockatoos screeching mixed with the shrilling sounds of cicadas. Into this picture-perfect day, the tsunami of adoption revelation slammed into my life and derailed it. The deliverer, revealing my adoption for the first time in my life, was my then-husband, who had kept this information from me for 12 years of our marriage. He had chosen to leave the marriage two weeks prior to his delivery. By the time this revelation came to me, my adoptive parents and beloved grandmother had died. A quick ring around to my cousins revealed that they had also known this truth about me. 
All said it had been my parents' role to tell me rather than relieve themselves of that duty by passing the secret on to my husband, with which I agreed. In one fell swoop at age 40, my identity, marriage and family were destroyed. This event occurred a year prior to the establishment of the Post-Adoption Resource Centre in preparation for the new Adoption Information Act 1990, enacted on 1st of April 1991. I was referred to a social worker at the Benevolent Society who became one of the first staff members of the Post-Adoption Resource Centre. On hearing my story, the social worker remarked, what a betrayal. Her words were affirming and validated the trauma and response I was experiencing. In the year between the revelation and the legislation changing, I applied for my adoption records, which I received post 1st of April 1991. Now I had my mother's name and my original birth certificate and I began a two-year search to locate my mother. I became Park's first late discovery adoptee client, attending whatever groups were held to feed my vociferous appetite for others' adoption stories. On behalf of PARC, that is the Post-Adoption Resource Centre, I provided publicity for ABC Radio Sydney interviews and Sydney Morning Herald articles on the impact of late discovery. All the while, I grappled with emotional upheaval while working full-time and emotionally supporting my two young sons. They faced the challenges of their father abandoning them and a mother who was largely emotionally absent trying to survive and cope. We had limited family and a wonderful band of close friends who provided infinite support, meals, listening and compassionate ears as I repetitively talked over my situation. Sadly for unsuspecting strangers adjacent to me on a bus or in a supermarket queue, they were the surprised recipients of my story, something I still cringe at in embarrassment all these years later. Between 1990 and 1994, I engaged in weekly counselling and then somatic therapy with two wonderful female practitioners. One was a former midwife who understood the impact of broken attachment and bonding at birth, the first life experience for adopted people removed from mother. In 1992, I had a reunion with my mother and her husband in Melbourne with the added bonus of learning I had a sister, brother, brother-in-law, nieces and nephews. For a person such as myself who grew up as the only child of older parents, finding and being accepted by people who mirrored me was the sweetest gift. In 1994, Park invited me to write an article for this newsletter. In it, I spoke of the emotional roller coaster ride of the first few years post discovery feelings of rage, anger, terror, disbelief, powerlessness, shame, fear, grief, pain, loss, despair, depression. Any, of all, any or all of these would flood me, leaving me feeling worthless and exhausted. 
The edge of the black hole felt like one menacing step away and suicidal thoughts often came to taunt me. Eventually, the supportive counselling and therapy made its mark. I decided to take back my personal power and focus on creating a new life, believing I had wallowed too long as a victim of my adoption revelation. I couldn't change my history, however I did have choices and new possibilities. I engaged in several personal growth courses with a spiritual Buddhist component while continuing therapy. One of my mantras travelled with me. I am not what happened to me. I am what I choose to become by C.J. Jung. In 1994, I commenced a Master of Counselling. After a year in this course, I realised that somatic psychotherapy and the existential nature of that work was where I really wanted to be and practice. So in 1995, I commenced a somatic psychotherapy course, the modality on how we hold trauma and all life experiences in our somatic and character structures. Shortly after, I began a new relationship with Robert, my first since my marriage ended. He was a loving, caring man, one who lit up a room with his energy and charisma. My sons and I were warmly welcoming into his family of three adult children, grandson and wide extended family. Three years into our relationship, Robert was headhunted by an American firm. He accepted their position with reservation as it involved overseas travel and a relocation to Melbourne. The latter he did not want to do, fearing it would damage our relationship. None of my reassurances could settle him, nor those of his boss-to-be who promised him the bulk of Sydney work while the other staff worked from Melbourne. We were to travel to the USA in January 1988 so he could meet his American work colleagues. A week prior, Robert took his life. I intuitively knew there was something amiss. Robert adored his children and family and deeply loved myself and my sons. His former wife and I were on good terms and she disclosed that very early in their marriage, Robert had been diagnosed with bipolar in the 1960s at a time when medication was not developed to treat the condition. Robert told his wife of the diagnosis, stating his doctor had said there was no available treatment and he had to live with it. When medications did become available, Robert's life could have been greatly enhanced. His shame at being seen to have a mental illness robbed him of a future and us of his uniqueness. Such a sad loss for him and all who loved him. Once again, another secret-keeping situation created more trauma for Gen and my sons. So back into therapy I went. This time, while feelings of abandonment were present again, they were not as strong as previously. I did not hold myself responsible for Robert's actions. I knew I had done all I could to support and love him. I read vociferously on the topic of suicide 
and found an anonymous saying online, Suicide is not chosen. It occurs when the pain of suffering becomes too much to bear. One of my former university lecturers living with bipolar told me, when a person takes their life, people are quick to judge. No one understands the struggle for such people to stay alive. This moved my heart into compassion for Robert and his action. Then eight months after his death, a routine mammogram discovered an early diagnosis of breast cancer. Hardly surprising following eight years of turbulent and traumatic times. Once again, I was surrounded by much support, love, positive thoughts, practical actions by so many and high-quality medical treatment. So here I am, 32 years down that often terrifying track and what have I learned? My short list is resilience, compassion, harmony, self-reflection and understanding, forgiveness, expansiveness, trust, self-belief, contentment, worthiness, hope. Life has given me a marriage of six years. We are yin and yang, right and left brain, continuing to learn from each other, loving and living with a lot of laughter. My mother died in 1999 and we shared a seven-year reunion. My brother and brother-in-law have also died and my sister, her family and I share close bonds. Thanks to the wonders of DNA testing, I located my paternal cousins, learning I was my father's only child. My father dying six years prior to my adoption revelation. In 2009, I published my memoir, Surviving Secrets, hoping my story would assist others. Since 2013, I have been fortunate to work part-time as a counsellor at Post-Adoption Resource Centre with skilled and caring colleagues committed to park clients. My understanding and training in trauma and trauma-informed work has been illuminating for trauma's impact on myself and others affected by adoption. I believe I have healed and integrated much of my traumatic experiences. I believe that adopted people hold internal answers to their life challenges. They were robbed from controlling their destiny at birth and their inner and outer sense of belonging. Holding hope and healing was for me the way forward to a happier, more integrated life. The soul usually knows what to do to heal itself. The challenge is to silence the mind. To hear more about Margaret Watson's story, head to www.survivingsecrets.com.